Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. All right, welcome into the program. I'm excited to be joined this week by Luke Easterling, editor of the Draft Wire. And Luke's just pumping out mock drafts left and right these days. We had yet another big trade that affects teams picking early in the first round. But this is the life, isn't it, my man? Like, it must feel like every time you hit publish, it's time to start over again. But in a way, that's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing, man. And, uh, you know, I love what I do, and it's a darn good thing because... When uh, on a week like this, you saw I put out two different ones back to back days. I, I did one where it was a couple of rounds and no trades. And then obviously now we're getting to the point where you can't really project what's going to happen, especially in the first round, if you're not going to dip into the trade waters. Right. So right. Uh, we've already had a few. I projected six more in the first round, which I think for the last three or four years, that's been the average. Basically, that's how many t- trades we usually see in the first round. Now, that's pretty normal. So, uh, you know, quarterbacks drive everything. We've already seen. Uh, like we've talked about before, the 49ers have kind of set the table with that. Obviously, now that makes the Falcons pick at number four. The next spot, if you want a quarterback to have to get to, it's. I, I think the fun part is that we actually have quarterback prospects this year that are worth all those spots, I yeah, think. Totally, so totally. It, it doesn't feel like many of those guys are going to be a reach. So I, I will be here to uh, to supply the demand for mock drafts at every turn, no matter what happens. There's not a team out there, Luke, that – had as much playmakers on defense as the Steelers did. Last. I mean, going when they were eleven and zero, that defense was. I guess they'd let up a, the occasional big play, but for the most part, they're just nasty. They just could get you in all kinds of different ways. Now injuries hurt them, and they kind of ran out of steam at the end of the year. And now so many of those players have left. Right? I mean, it's been like a mass exodus for the Steelers. I mean, you have Ojolari from Georgia going to the Steelers. What do you think? They're going to be kind of plugging a lot of holes. Do you think they're going to be focusing on defense early on? They could go a lot of different ways and not in a good way. Uh, you know, they, they need to pick three different players at 24 and get all of them. Yeah, one of them needs to be a center uh, it, as well, right? Yeah, that's my thing, right? And, and they need an offensive tackle. They, they need a, a starting center, a starting offensive tackle, if not two, and an edge rusher to replace Bud Dupree across from T.J. Watt in this draft. They could use a corner, obviously, after losing Nelson. I mean, they... There's so many things. This team started 11-0, 11-0, but they got banged up, and they're getting old really fast at a lot of important positions. And we're not even talking about the quarterback position yet, obviously, yeah. with Ben Roethlisberger you know, going into what expect, we expect to be his last season. I, I think that this team needs, again, a lot. They need to be able to take three starters with their first three picks. That's hard to do. But th- you know, that means that at 24, it becomes a matter of, you know, matching value with need. Who is the best the, the best player at any of those three positions? And we didn't even talk about running back yet. I know Najee Harris is a, a popular pick to them there, but this just doesn't feel like a team to me that can afford to spend a, t- a first-round top 25 pick on a running back when you have not just so many other needs, but needs that will help that guy succeed. Najee Harris isn't going to do much if you need a center and an offensive tackle and you don't get those guys, you know what I mean? So there's a lot that team needs there. We're so used to them being so successful and so good because they understand who they are and they draft to that personality and they do it so well. But, man, this team needs a lot, and I don't think – they're kind of the opposite of the Bucs. I don't think they have enough picks to to fill what they need – in order to get back to where they expect to be next year. Some guys that have got to be moving up your board, I think Kyle Pitts, we don't think he's going to make it out of the top 10 for sure, right? He's moving up. I think if, if Atlanta stays pat at number four, in one of your drafts you had him 
going to Atlanta at number four. So maybe he won't even make it out of the top five. And it feels like Jamar Chase to Cincinnati makes too much sense. I think offensive line to kind of keep Joey Burrow upright made some sense but early on. But now Jamar Chase reuniting with Burrow, that kind of feels like it's it's going to happen, right? So what do you think about some of these guys that are kind of shooting up your board a little bit? I think Pitts and Chase would definitely qualify. Yeah, I think, you know, Chase kind of reminds me of, of Justin Fields in terms of my rankings because he's somebody I've really never wavered on as far as being the number one receiver in this class. Obviously, he opted out of the college football season, and Don and Devontae Smith had the incredible season he did. So obviously that started this conversation about who would be the number one receiver. I don't think that was ever a competition, in my opinion. I'm, I love Devontae Smith. I think he's a great prospect. I don't think he's the, the player Jamar Chase is. I think they're they're – not quite on the same level. I think Jamar Chase is bigger, more physical, you know, more complete player at this point. Um, so he's always been a top five guy for me. I think he solidified that with his pro day. Kyle Pitts is the guy that I've really kind of come around on as being a really unique, really rare player that I think deserves a top five pick. When you're talking about a tight end, that's just extremely rare when you're yeah. talking about a guy worthy of that. Unicorn and that's because he's really – he's. He's a tight end if you need him to be, but he's really just an offensive weapon, right? I mean, yeah. he, he can block, he can do those things, but really you're putting him out there to be a, a mismatch weapon. And obviously I, I would never compare, you know, I don't like comparing guys to Hall of Famers. I, I don't, you know, it's not fair, but when you put up their athletic profiles, he's basically Calvin Johnson. I, I mean, that's that's the kind of athlete at his size that he looks to be on paper and in terms of being timed. And, Again, he's a guy who actually did it on the field. Florida actually put him in position to do those things, and he did dominate on the outside as a pass catcher in the red zone. We've already seen it happen. NFL teams are going to see that and eat that up because obviously the NFL is a matchup league. So those two guys, I think definitely their floor has got to be five, six. I, I don't really even see any of them getting to seven. I think that you could flip-flop them at Cincinnati, Miami, Pitts, Chase, Chase Pitts. I think those two spots make sense for those guys in any order. Another guy that opted out of the college football season is Micah Parsons, but a guy that's really just consistently getting mocked in the top 10. You've kind of held him in there as well. I mean, this is an interesting spot, not just the player, Micah Parsons, but the position, right? That position of inside linebacker, the investment of a top 10 pick in that position. It's a gamble. Let's just put it that way. If you go for it like the Bucks did with Devin White and you hit the home run, you look brilliant, right? But if you whiff on that thing, you could set your team back because that position Guys get injured a lot. A lot. It's a high collision type of thing, right? I mean, there's also just a lot of turnover at linebackers. So it is definitely a gamble. But there always seems to be a linebacker, Luke, that goes in the top 10, right? Last year, it was Isaiah Simmons. I think a couple years ago, it was Devin White and Devin Bush, right? If the Steelers were in the top 10, I think they were. They were around 10. Um and then two years after that, I think Roquan Smith of the Bears went top 10, too. So it's not like this never happens. There's usually an inside linebacker that goes in the top 10. I'm just not sure if like I'm Denver at number nine. Micah Parsons seems like it fits. He, he fits Denver's defense perfectly what they were looking for. But I don't know. Are you willing to risk going in for that position at number nine in the top 10 when there's top cornerbacks on the? You could have your pick of the top corners. That's a tough decision, right? I don't know. I, what do you think about the value of inside linebacker and making that call in the top 10? Yeah, well, I think, you know, Devin White is the prime example that really changed my mind, not necessarily on on the entire idea of it, because, again, there's so many variables, and you can't just say because one guy succeeded. You can't use the exception to disprove the rule, right? So just because Devin White was successful at it doesn't mean it's always going to work out that way. And I think 
you bring up Isaiah Simmons, and I think he's the perfect example that shows you why when it doesn't work out, one of the biggest reasons why that is is because you have got to have a plan for that guy. You have got to, if you're going to get the most out of, if you're going to get top five, top ten value out of an inside linebacker, it's going to be, it's only going to happen if you have a plan to unleash that player in a way in which he can impact the game at that level, right? You're not just going to sit him off the ball and tell him to cover all day and make some run stops and that's that's it. You're going to have to send him after the quarterback. Devin White had nine sacks this year. That's why he's worth a top five pick in retrospect, right? And and be honest, Bruce Arians said that, point blank. Jason Light said that when they drafted him, and idiots like me were like, huh, <laughs> I don't know about that inside linebacker at five. I just don't see the positional value with our nerd class. Positional on, value. Right? That's the term I was looking for, positional he value. He hated it, man. He was so mad about it. And, and that's because he knew his defense better than I did. He understood. Listen, we have got a plan for this guy. I got this guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Todd Bowles, and he's really – really good at defensive coordinating and attacking opposing offenses with really, you know, bold concepts and, and, you know, complicated uh, looks and stuff like that. So they went into picking Devin White. They fell in in love with him very early in the process. I'll be honest. Like they, they identified him very quickly, knew he was probably going to be there. So they kind of zeroed in on him really quickly. And they did that because they knew, listen, we're going to deploy this particular player in a way that's not going to be the traditional inside linebacker. He's not going to do what people think is all that 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 position does, right? And obviously year one, he started slow because he had the knee injury, but he really picked it up, you know, down the stretch. Year two, he was voted a captain and absolutely went on a tear. Again, nine sacks for an inside linebacker and about 140 tackles, and he missed the last game of the season, too. So he was really pissed about that, by the way. He wanted 10 sacks. He wanted he wanted a buck 50 in the tackle column. He was pretty upset about oh, yeah. that. But, 100%. I mean, but again, the other side of that coin is a guy like Isaiah Simmons, who, again, incredible athlete, just like Devin White was, right? But the Cardinals did not have that plan for him. The Cardinals did not have a clear understanding of what they wanted him to do in that offense. Is he a safety? Is he a hybrid guy? Is he a linebacker? What are we going to, and and I think that has contributed to the fact that Isaiah Simmons has been crickets, you know, was as a rookie. I mean, didn't really move the needle a whole lot. He had a couple of big plays here and there, but for the most part, if you compare what he did as a rookie to what Devin White has done over the last two years, it's not even close. Right. And I think in my opinion, both great athletes, both tons of potential, both very aggressive defenders, but guys that if, if you don't have a plan for how you're going to unleash those guys, it, it will make it not worth it to take that guy. So if I'm, if I'm Denver and I fall in love with a guy who, again, has that same athletic profile, big, athletic, physical, very smart, great instincts, he's got all those physical tools, that's great. But I better have a plan that looks a lot more like what the Tampa Bay did with Devin White than what Arizona did with Isaiah Simmons last year. Well, Luke, as you mentioned, you posted two mocks this week on the draft wire. One was full of trades in the first round, and among the craziest involved my Patriots. You have Belichick moving up to number four with Atlanta. Now, we know the Falcons are looking to shop this pick as you put on draft wire, maybe holding a bidding war for that number four pick. I think that's a great idea for them to do. Might as well do it, right? We saw what the uh, Dolphins were able to get for theirs at number three. Why not the Falcons? I'm sure they'll get a haul as well. Belichick moving up to number four. It just goes against everything he's done, but it's been kind of a wacky offseason for the Patriots anyway. If Justin Fields is really available at four, are you telling me that there's at least a chance that Belichick trades up and goes and gets him? Yeah, I think you just said it, right? Is that normally 
we don't see Belichick make this kind of move, but we also don't see him do what he just did in free agency either. So I think he's somebody who, you know, compare him to where Bruce Arians is in his career, right? I mean, they're both in that kind of point in their career where they're not, they're not here to be babysitters. You know, they're, they're not here to oversee these three to five year rebuilds. No, they're here to reload. They're going to spend the money if they have it. And they're going to, you know, if they've got bullets in the chamber, they're going to fire them. And I think that if you extrapolate that approach that the Patriots have had to free agency into the draft, why wouldn't you do that? Why would Bill Belichick care about first round picks next year and the year after, if he's planning on being back in the playoffs, back making deep playoff runs with a better roster, you know, 15th is the highest they've picked in a long time. But if you're planning on picking in the twenties and and maybe even into the thirties, those next two first round picks aren't nearly as valuable as being able to get up into the top five to get a franchise quarterback. And obviously we see what a difference that can make to a team because we just saw it happen in Tampa Bay and not in New England after Tom Brady left, right? So obviously you're not necessarily going to get Tom Brady at number four, but Justin Fields, in my opinion, is easily the top, the, the second best quarterback in this draft. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. If, if any other draft class, he would go number one if Trevor Lawrence wasn't in this class. So if you're talking about making him not just the fourth pick, but the fourth quarterback off the board, if you have an opportunity to do that, I think if I'm the Patriots, and, and again, I'm the type of team that's not planning on picking 15th anytime soon after this, why not go up and get your uh, get your guy? Pull the trigger, go up and get a quarterback who can who can make a difference. Uh, and I think that, that, again, matches what Bill Belichick has been doing this whole offseason, which is that he's not waiting around for anybody. He's not rebuilding nothing. He wants to, to reload and get right back in the playoffs. That's Luke Eastling right there. Appreciate you and the knowledge, man. Catch him on the Bucks wire on the draft wire on the USA Today network. Always good, man. Stay well, all right? Hey, you do the same, Ryan. Always a good time, buddy. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.